0: Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it, and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Hello, everybody. It's Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to another episode of Cure for the Common Life. And I'm going to jump right into it because I want to spend as much time with my guests today. When I first started doing podcasts, they asked me to write down a list of my dream guests. And of course, this man was one of the top five. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, and then, and then I'm going to let you enjoy him. Victor Lamont Wooten is a five-time Grammy award-winning musician and an uh, unbelievable father, unbelievable husband, and uh, philanthropist, best-selling author, the list goes on and on. And uh, I'll say this, that you know how sometimes you meet somebody and when you meet them, you know that person has it. Well, Victor has it with a capital I, a capital T, and a couple of exclamation points. <laughs> and I first met Victor about five, maybe six years ago. I went to a music camp uh, that he has out there in Tennessee on uh, some of his property. And I went to and uh, expecting to become a better musician, and that was my main goal. And I came away as a better man, because Victor has his philosophies and his insights on life are deeper than uh, any musician that I've ever known. So with my pleasure, please welcome my dear friend, Victor Lamont Wooten. Victor, how are you doing?
1: Man, thank you, my friend. I'm doing well. I was hoping you would just keep talking for the next <laughs> You made me sound good, man. <laughs> well, I'm even wondering, who is this guy he's talking about? He's
0: amazing. <laughs> he's, he's changed my life. And you, you are one of my mentors, not just in music. You've taught me so much in, in music and how to be a better musician, but also a better man as well.
1: Well, I, I I really appreciate that. And I will say the same about you. I say it takes one to know one. But meeting you five or six years ago at the camp, you know, my wife and I, we try to treat. Well, we make sure we treat everyone equally or as they should be treated. You know, don't pick favorites. But you, as everybody knows, you're a special man, you're a special person. Well, thank you. And I, thank I'm you. so glad that we've been able to, to know each other more and better and share our lives with each other and stuff like that. But you're a hero of mine just not only because of who you are, but what you do with who you are. Well, thank you. you. Know, I know a lot of great people. We all know great musicians who just sit at home and play. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I love it when people take who they are and make the world better because of who they are. Absolutely. And I love that. Not that you have to do that. I don't think any less of anyone who doesn't do that. But the fact that you are doing that, have been doing that, it, it draws me closer to you. So well, I thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And um, as, as my friend Les Brown says, it's what you do when nobody's looking that counts Absolutely. the most. And, and yeah. you do that as yeah. well. And Victor, when I first met you, actually before I met you, I did a little bit of research. And I'm one of these guys that... When I go somewhere, I try to get as much information about where I'm going, what I'm going to do, as possible. And I started to read up on you, and of course, back in the day with YouTube videos and everything, and there was, as I said earlier, there was something about you. And one of those things that I, about you at your level of discipline and your your level of dedication to your craft and life itself, and I could have guessed it. But I didn't. You and I uh, share similar upbringings in that we had military fathers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so share with us a little bit about, you know, what made you who you are, where you came from and and uh, for people that don't know you.
1: Well, 100 uh, uh, percent, it was my parents and my brothers who my brothers who are like four extra parents for me, because I'm the youngest of five boys. I, and you, you might you might hear my dog moving around the microphone. <laughs> no, she's worries. uh, it's starting to storm a little bit, and as she gets oh, older, right. thunder starts to freak her out, yeah. like the, like the you know the, the fireworks. So she's down here, and when she she's a beautiful dog, but she likes to crawl under things or behind <laughs> things, and she's trying to crawl under the studio desk where there's too many wires. Oh right, all that stuff, so, and for those of you that can't see us, Victor is in his recording studio. is
0: that down in your basement or is that that's correct? yeah, that's correct yes by the yeah. way, my dog was doing the same thing uh, last night because it was the Fourth of July, mm-hmm. and the fireworks are going on, and he's, he's still a little puppy, so yes,
1: yes but but anyway, um, I'm the youngest of five boys, no sisters, but uh literally true story before I was born, my brothers already knew I was the bass player, <laughs> yeah, but All the good lessons that my parents were always giving that I always attributed to my life and my character, uh, my brothers had them longer than me. So by the time I'm born, I'm not only learning this stuff from my my parents, I'm learning it from my brothers. And, you know, as a kid, you don't want to do anything wrong to disappoint your parents. But probably even more so, I didn't want to disappoint my brothers because that was like my... My posse, my gang, my crew, that totally included me all the time. They never treated me as if I was the young baby brother. If anything, they, tr- they treated me better than them. Like, I don't remember this ever happening, but if there was one piece of cake left, I'm sure they would have made sure I got it. And they still treat me that way. A lot of the things that I get credit for really came from my oldest brother, Reggie, who taught me how to play bass musically a lot of the things i do spinning the guitar around my neck double thumbing up and down with my thumb two hand tapping reggie taught me that stuff you know and reggie's one that likes to sit in the background and just you know slight smile while while i get all these awards and stuff and not just me i can mention a bunch of great musicians that you all know who have gone through the reggie wooten school of music right right he just sits in the back and helps people uh rise to greatness but um you know, my parents were poor, very poor. I didn't know it. As an adult, I learned that my mom, my mom would say sometimes there would be nothing in our refrigerator except a mason jar full of water. And that was it. She said, but God always provided. She said, we never missed a meal. Now, mom would tell us, she said, I didn't always eat, meaning she didn't always eat. But she said her kids always had something, you know, but I never knew that. Because I learned early on, even before I knew what I was learning, that prosperity, richness, their lives weren't governed by how much money we had right, right. Or, or how much stuff we had. It was what was inside of us and how we lived our lives and the character we cared and shared. And so I was learning these things, not knowing what I was learning. It was just the way it was to, you know, you, you were to be honest, you were to be real. You were to stand up for yourself. Mom taught us if somebody hits you, you have the right to hit them back. And you know she told us if if, if you're big enough to hit, you're big enough to get hit. <laughs> you know to the point where my brother Rudy played saxophone. You know Rudy got called to the uh, to the school principal's office because he hit a girl one day. And so you know we always knew if our if the if the school said we're going to call your parents, we would say no. I'm going to call them first. <laughs> because we knew we wouldn't do anything wrong. And mom told us, if I come to school on your behalf, you better make sure I stay on your behalf. You know, she says, I'm coming. believing you're right. And in, in, in every case, if parents had to come, we knew we were right. And so mom got there <laughs> and mom walked in and said, what happened? I said, well, your, your son hit, hit a girl. My mom said, well, did the girl hit him first? And they said, "Well, yes, Miss Wooten, but we teach." And no, no, no. But nothing. If the girl, where's the girl? Where's the girl? Well, she's in class. Why is she in class? If she hit my son, she needs to be right down here. I need to talk to her too. Nice. You know, where's her parents? You know, well, we teach our kids not to hit girl. I would teach our boy. Mom said, yeah, "I teach yeah. them if you're big enough to hit, you're big enough to get hit." Mm-hmm. This is what my mom told the principal. She said, "Like I'm telling you right now, if you hit me, I'm gonna do my best to knock you out." <laughs> That's what she told him. Yeah. Right. So I said, OK, Miss Woolen, they got the girl down there and they settled it. And my mom said, look, I'm taking my son Rudy home because he's too mad to stay. She said, but I'm bringing him back tomorrow and there better not be a, a mark on his record. That's who our parents were.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: They knew what five black boys were facing. Yes. In the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Growing up in a society that may not support them back. So we had to know who we are. So in many cases, at the at the at the risk of borderline sounding egotistical, all my brothers are confident. It's not ego. You ask any of my brothers, are they good? They'll tell you, of course, that's not ego. It's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, they'll let you know that they're not better than anyone else. Everybody has a gift. And that's what we learned as kids. And it started with the parents. But for me, it started with my four older brothers and my parents. I never had the pleasure of meeting Rudy, but I've met your other brothers.
0: And what right. you're saying is absolutely true. They're, they're my mentors and teachers as well. And uh, I have the same mother vicariously through you. Some of the sayings that you say, I remember one that's, that rings and I teach that to my son as well. The world doesn't need another musician. They need mm-hmm. another you know, good musician. They need another good person. Yeah, and, um, yeah.
1: So and you so, can imagine, you know, you had the same thing growing up with that advice. Yeah. Before yeah. you even knew how powerful it was. That was just our norm, hearing that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely. And and again, I attribute a lot of that to that military structure.
0: I was a little opposite than you. I grew up with three sisters. I was the only mm-hmm. boy. There was a different set of rules there. And mine was at all costs, you protect your sisters at all costs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and kind of the same thing growing up as a, as a black young boy in a society that doesn't always support you. You know, we, we went through some stuff and we didn't have money either. It was the same thing. And it's ironic. I shouldn't say ironic, but I look at some of the greatest people I know, obviously you being one of them, that, that tends to be the story is that we, didn't, we came from nothing. We came from not being privileged in any way other than having a great upbringing or having people, mentors and teachers that are teaching us something. And so what would you think is the advantage to having that kind of upbringing versus, you know, something that that has everything? Because I know people on both sides, but I gotta be honest with you, the ones with the most character are the ones that either had a lot, lost it and fought their way back or had nothing and came up through that.
1: Well, because usually when we say we have nothing or everything, we're talking about physical stuff 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 money yeah. home stuff is right yeah. you know cars that kind of stuff but when you don't have that to make it you have to have what's real the stuff you're going to be thinking about on your deathbed right i'm not going to be th- if i'm fortunate enough to be alert you know and sane on my deathbed i'm not going to be thinking oh man i i didn't tune my bass today right. yeah. or i didn't practice or i should have you know gotten some more gig No. Nah. It's going to come down to what's real, love, how you treat people, how you, people treated you. Do Does this person know I love them? Did I tell them enough? This is the stuff, if you don't have things, you grow up with what is real, which is what makes a real human being. You know, people talk about judgment day out, whether that's true or false. I'm not trying to talk about anybody's religion. But if we get judged, it ain't going to be judged on how much stuff we acquire. Exactly. How much money we left in the bank? Uh-uh, none of that. And so with my parents and with our parents not having the the physical things, money to buy stuff, for us to get where we are right now, we had to have what's real. And that's what's got us through. And, you know, your military dad, my dad, man, they're growing up in times where they're fighting for a country that's not fighting for them back. Mm-hmm. And they just had to take it. So you either get beat down or you get beat up. And in this case, beating up is the right way to go. Exactly. Right. Because you're going to get a beating. They got beatings, Mm -hmm. but it makes them rise up, not down. Right. And that's a huge, huge difference at what makes the man in the end. Huge, huge Huge difference. So like our dad, military, fought in the Korean War. You know, they would they'd stand there after their battle or whatever, and everyone would line up to get rewards and medals. And they'd go to the white people. Here's your medal. They get to my dad. You don't get one. They go to the next person, give them a medal, get to the next black person. You don't get one, you know, and they just had to stand there proud at Mm -hmm. at, at attention and take it and then go fight again the next day. You know, and they're seeing their friends getting killed and bombed, you know, and 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 then after all of that, you're risking your life and you come back and got to face that. Exactly. So when my three older brothers found music before I was born, my dad made sure that they had every possibility to keep it. So we grew up with music the whole time. I mean, from my birth, I don't know any. I can't remember not playing music or being in a band, but we never were allowed to mow the grass. Really? Right? Because I think my dad had heard a story about some kid, you know, I mean, again, we had them push mowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, someone, some kid either fell and, and cut their hand or cut their foot or something, got hurt by the by the lawn. Wow. Mower. So dad's like, you know, nothing was going to hurt us in a way that would stop us from doing music. So we literally never mowed a lawn. You know, I mean, we had to do stuff around the house, but it wasn't danger like that. And and it probably wasn't even really dangerous, but dad was prepared just protecting us. Right. Right. The car was never in the garage. That's where our, our music stuff was. You know, I mean, our parents just, when we found that gift of music, they, they fostered it. They fueled it, you know? And so by the time I was five, we were gigging and touring and, and all that kind of stuff. Wow. You know, because make money from it too. Well, yeah. <laughs> the house, you know?
0: So well, that's you, how I
1: always did it. But every, everything we did, came with a lesson of who we needed to be. Mm -hmm. Because you think about, you know, I'm five years old, six years old maybe. We're on tour. We're opening for Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. uh, Superfly tour. So, and we're playing nightclubs at the military bases. And so you got, you you know, you've played some clubs. You know, you see everything in a club.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: Especially when you're a kid, there's adults doing what adults do. I'll leave it as that. Yeah. And our parents, as far as I know, didn't hide it from us. Right? They didn't say, oh, don't look, but they told us how to think, view, how to see, how to understand. This is what goes on. You don't need to be a part of that. You know? So my none of my brothers, including myself, ever drank or drink. None of them smoke. None of them use curse words. So how do you raise five boys like that? In, in, in a an world. environment that, that encourages that type of right. behavior, right? Especially, exactly. like you said, you're in the, in the nightclubs and
0: the bars and things like that and encouraging yeah.
1: that. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've seen people start shooting in the club. Really? We've seen fights break out, people dancing close, all that stuff. Drinking, of course. Mm-hmm. But, and maybe because of it is why none of my brothers do it. But I think it's more so of our parents. Yeah, I know that. Helping us see it and assimilate it all. That's, that's
0: exactly the way that I was raised as well. I, I will admit, I did try uh, drinking one time, one time. I got so sick, I threw up out of my nose and never touched it again. <laughs> but however, it, I still came from that kind of family. Now, Victor, I know you're passing on uh, that philosophy to your children as well. You have a couple of musicians and you have a gymnast and you have, uh, your children are in college now or going into college now or something like that. Yeah, i two, well. two
1: out of the four in college. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, one thing, Victor, and I want to come back to some of the issues that are going on right now, but there's another quality about you that I just love. And by the way, everybody listening, I'm going to leave some links in the description here for you to go pick up Victor's books Mm -hmm. and his recordings. The music will just, it'll make you cry, dance, make you just come outside of yourself and and appreciate. But, But Victor, you also have a connection with nature, that is quite unique. And it's, again, one of those things where this is what you would do otherwise. But you make that, uh, that connection between music
1: and life and nature. Share with us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Well, I really started paying attention to my nature connection in my adult life, which was 1991, when I took a class in New Jersey from a man named Tom Brown Jr., and he's talking about nature and awareness and listening to the birds and tracking animals and what he called wide angle vision and using your inner vision, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm thinking this guy is teaching music. He doesn't call it that. But not only is he talking about music, he's, this is the way music should be taught. Hmm. Like Because they would teach a lesson. Then we'd go out and do it. If he taught us about animal tracks, within a few minutes, we're outside looking at animal tracks. If he's telling us how to recognize bird sounds and the way birds movements and stuff, next thing we're outside sitting in the ground just watching birds. And I realize, wow, in music, I get a lesson. Then they tell me to go sit in a room and practice it. Right. Why am I going to practice it in a way I'm never going to use it? I don't do concerts in my room. I mean, maybe now now we do. (laughs) Now we do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like learning a language in a room by yourself. Yeah. Right? That's unnatural. So you think about this: when somebody's really good at something, what do we call them? We we call them unnatural. So mm-hmm. what does the word "natural" mean? The word "natural" means to be like nature, right? Right. A beaver doesn't have to practice building dams and chewing down trees. A squirrel just knows how to build a nest, right? A bird's not singing to win awards or get Grammys. They're singing just because when when the sun comes up, I want to sing. Like for these animals, what they do is is survival, right? And for us, it's a different mentality. And I realized that what music, right, what the standard music training does to most of us is it causes us to become so unnatural. Mm. And then they tell us to go back out and pay your dues, which is like code word is learn how to be natural again.
0: Exactly. On your go back and unlearn right. what you. Yeah.
1: Right. On your own. Because yeah. I don't know how to teach you. Mm-hmm. So I thought, man, the missing link, the key is to keep people's naturalness. As they're learning, because that's how we learn to talk. No one told you you had to sound like this. You got to learn these words first. Go practice these words. Say your alphabet only seven letters at a time and repeat them over and over. No, that's why everybody who speaks has their own voice. And you don't even pay attention to the instrument you're speaking with. The instrument is is really non not important. It's what you have to say. But in music, we talk about the instrument, the technique, the right. theory. You can't even say what you want until you learn the theory behind it. That's just so unnatural. It, it works that way, but it takes way too long. And there's so many casualties along the way because it takes so
0: long and people Absolutely. don't feel it. You know, so, you said something uh, once, several things. But one of them was you're talking about when you're learning to just like you said, when you're learning to talk, they don't allow you only to talk by yourself, they bring you in and you jam with them. Right. That whole philosophy, that whole approach to music changed my freaking life. Changed, and I'm not just talking about my music and my playing, but my life. It made me just realize it, it's, I got such a, a, a level of freedom to just be able to say, wherever I go, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to, it's, it's a jam session. I'm going to play.
1: Yeah, what yeah. I
0: know is what I know. And let's just make it work together.
1: That's it. And that's how you learn to talk. Your parents didn't keep you out of the room because you were a toddler. No, son, Joseph, you got to wait till you get better at English. Then I can talk to you, son. You know, no. Right. Even as a baby, we don't wait until you learn our way. We learn your way first. Hmm. So even though you're doing Google Gaga, your mom knows what that means. (laughs) They they know what your version of Google Gaga means. If you call it a blankie instead of a blanket, nobody ever corrected you. You're allowed to say it wrong. We're going to learn your way, knowing you're going to get it right because you're around the best. And it fit
0: in with us. You, 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 it causes us to appreciate right. and love you as well.
1: Yeah. In a lot of places, except music, we celebrate your effort, not the outcome. Mm. So if the baby's trying to talk, great. Imagine your son at six months old, one year old, goes over to your base and hits a string. You throw a party. You don't say, hey, son, that's the wrong technique. (laughs) Let me show you how to do it right. And you go practice. No, you celebrate the effort. So even when kids are calling it pasquetti, that's fine. It's not 100 percent right. It's 99 percent right because we know what they mean. They're expressing themselves. Everything is right, except the word is wrong. But in music, you can play everything right. You miss a note. Play the wrong, you play a C sharp instead of a C, your hand gets slapped, you get you know bad grade, right, but we don't do that in other in 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 a lot of other places, especially learning the most important thing that we need to communicate, which is our language You certainly don't do it with your your craft and your
0: camps. I will say this uh, when I was there, there were accomplished musicians. 60, 70-year-old musicians, and there were young people, 10, 12, 13 years old, and everybody played together. And it is, was a result of the way that you taught us. One of the other lessons, uh, Victor, that I got to tell you, which by the way, that's the name of uh, his most famous book is The Music Lesson. You've got to read it. And it, all of the things that he's talking about are in the book there. Thank you. uh was something that you said, and again, it was like lights on. I'd never been taught that before. I never knew it. And it made it me comfortable with my instrument more than anything. You said, there's twelve notes. And out of those 12 notes, seven of them are always right. Yeah. <laughs> seven of them are always right. And wherever you put your finger down on either side of it, there's a right note. Yeah, it's the truth. Right? Yeah, it's the truth. But who, who, I never learned. I never heard that anywhere else.
1: And why? In, your, you know, in our history of learning and, and teaching and studying, how come they don't teach us that? Uh, well, my,
0: my answer is they don't have the uh, experience, insight, and references that you do. And again, the, the whole correlation with nature and everything. Well, Victor, I want to I switch gears just for a second, because I would be, be remiss if I didn't talk about these current times that we're going in. Obviously, COVID is one thing, and that has caused us to pivot. And I know you have pivoted so well. You, instead of doing your live camps, you've been doing them online, and we've all had to adjust But I I do want to talk about something that you mentioned before that both of us as being black men and fathers and husbands and I'm not a husband now, but, but in this world that we are right now, having the history that we have, and I know you've had incidents of of, uh, racism against you and things like that coming along right now, at the age we are now, I think I'm just a few years older than you, but at the age we are right now, we have the benefit of hindsight. We have the benefit of looking and going, okay, this happened before. It happened in the sixties. It happened in the seventies, happened in the eighties. In your opinion, Victor, what is different about what's happening now that might be different in that we're going to, we're going to not just perpetuate a change, but the changes that are going to be necessary, that there's more equality. In your opinion, what would you think is different about now than any of those other times?
1: Well, everything I say, I don't claim to be right about it. You know that. I just share what I think. But what I think is different right now is the fact that we're all stuck at home. Yeah. It's the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We are forced to look at it. And forced may not be the right word, but we all have time to look at it. Normally, I watch the news for a few hours, maybe, you know, a few minutes at dinner time. But then I got to get prepared for the gig or I got a report I got to do for work. I got, you know, we all we got other things other to, do to do yeah. than to watch what's really going on. So, normally we can watch what's going on. Oh, I feel so bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let me get back to this and let me do this. We don't have that luxury right now, right? We can't ignore. And to me, that's the positive part of this pandemic slowing our normal lives down, right? In other cases, it's speeding life up. And in this case, I'm thinking that we might, this pandemic may, might be pushing us at a faster rate towards a, Resolving this mm-hmm. this age old issue, and in fixing one, it'll help fix the others. That's I why agree. we see the plight of the female, the plight of the the gender justice, the the race. You know, we see them all kind of bubbling up because one can help the other because it's a different shade of the same issue. I agree, and it is I, a perfect. I, I story like some, you. but not others. You're not mm-hmm. worthy, or whatever, or you're wrong because you know all music styles are can can are made up of the same Same notes, notes, right? Even if other countries divide that octave into 16 notes rather than 12, it's still the same notes. And so to see that we're not all the same people, human beings, I'd almost understand if we were racist against dogs (laughs) or we were racist against butterflies or bees. Y'all aren't equal to us. You don't have equal rights. That kind of makes sense. But another human being? Just because the color of the skin, that, that makes zero sense. But a lot of people who have stuff, and at the risk of sounding mean, mostly white people, who have everything as a whole, I think a lot of them are afraid of losing what they have. Yes, yes. In order, they think that to make things equal, to give others more, they, they will have less. And even if that were true, even if they had less, they'd still be all right. But there's a fear and there's an ingrown fear. And I believe like, you know, we were talking about, I don't know if we were doing this on, on recording or on air, but we were talking about the water. And you were saying you, you went down rafting one, like once in your life. I realized I grew up in Hawaii as a kid, started playing music in Hawaii, right on the ocean. Moved to Sacramento, California, right on the ocean. Then moved to Virginia Beach or Newport News, right on the ocean. None of us brothers can swim. Wow, <laughs> right? really? Right. So I made myself learn. I'm not great, but if I get thrown in the water, I'm not drowning. Well, I shouldn't say that. I hope I don't. I'll put right. it that way. Mm-hmm. Because I, learned, I made myself learn how to swim, realize. And, and then at the Tom Brown Tracker School, I was out of 10 years of going, I was one of three black people that I saw. And I went, wow. Bela Fleck did a movie, a documentary called Throw Down Your Heart where he went back to Africa to study the history of the banjo, right? Banjo known mostly now as a white instrument has its origins origins in Africa. But there was this one tribe that they were taught as kids, if you saw the ocean, throw down your heart, meaning you're never going to see your loved ones again. Just forget all that because you're getting taken. Right, right. You know? So I wonder, is that part of our DNA, that mentality, To where right now you see less black people in the water, at the ocean, at the beach. Wow. In nature. The woods to us, black people, is a backward step. We're all still trying to catch up. We want two cars, a nice house, a job. White people already had that for 100 years. So white people are starting to go back. I see learning about nature, permaculture, Mm -hmm. all Mm the stuff our parents knew or else we wouldn't be here how to make fire with sticks right when you can't afford matches you're going to figure it's out necessity. a way to yeah. you know when you can't afford the doctor the hospital you're going to learn what plants mm-hmm. right so i see white people going back and studying that stuff and i'm happy yeah i'm happy yeah. somebody's doing it but i don't see our culture doing that well
0: which you know i'm so glad you said that because um and first off you're so right there's a there's a quote i think it was uh Frederick Douglass said, if you want to hide something from a black man, put it in a book. And when you first hear that, you think, well, okay, that's because the inference is that black men are lazy and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is systemic racism made it that way in that because in the olden days, reading a book would get you killed, would get you hung up from a tree. And so that's been handed down through the ages, as well as, uh, you know, and what you just said there is so true we need the work on ourselves. Systemic racism, bigotry, and those things bring about, and white supremacy brings about black inferiority, self-loathing, and what I call the imposter syndrome. Yes. And so we've got, we've got some work to do on ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. And as I look at, you know, when I, because I ask myself the same question, what I see different now is that, and it's in the streets, and it is a perfect storm. I guarantee you, that we would not have as many people, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that we see in the streets right now, if, if COVID hadn't hit. <laughs> right. You know, right. people don't have places to go, so they're out there spilling out there. But one of the things that uh, is happening is the huge racial diversity that are, are in those crowds. It's not just black people marching. It's not just people that have been disenfranchised. It's people that are finally going, I get it. I understand.
1: You know, I was outdoors yesterday, 4th of July. My daughter, especially, but my my kids are all about it. You know, this is the right. first time they've ever really, of course, you know, you don't grow up black, not hearing about racism. Yes. But now they're really getting to see it, feel it, and they're uh, a thousand percent against it. Mm-hmm. So with this pandemic, I'm like, I'm not I'm not trying to be around anybody.
0: You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. you and me both, man. I'm actually enjoying yeah. being
1: being by myself. <laughs> uh, I'm actually loving it. Uh-huh. But my kids are feeling it so hard. They wanted to get out there cuz these five teenagers in Tennessee, these five teenagers have been a- arranging these protests. Wow. So there was a huge protest down in Nashville. I said, "Okay, we'll go. We're going to bring our mask, our hand sanitizer, and we're going to stay on the outskirts." But we went. And and this was ha- made me happy, I guess and sad at the same time, but I saw more white people marching than black yeah, people. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right? And I and I have thoughts about that, you know, cuz for one Blacks get killed at stuff like this. Yeah. If anybody's going to get arrested, we're the ones that's going to get arrested. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand not wanting to go out there. But finally, there's enough of our Caucasian brothers and sisters and, and moms and dads that are finally saying, hey, I can't be quiet anymore. I've got to say something. And we have the time to do it. We have the awareness to recognize who we are. And when we really look at who we are, who we are is a person that wants to do what's right, regardless of what you think your right is. We have the time of looking at that, and I believe in the goodness of most people. I do too. Yes. I believe that most people really do love most everyone else, and I think a lot of our friends and and it, regardless of race are looking up and saying, "Hey, I can't sit and be quiet anymore. I've got to get out and do something." And I believe. That a lot of people got out and marched on 4th of July rather than barbecuing and, right, right. and, and looking at parades is because they finally have the time to look at the reality. Absolutely. Right? Victor. And, in, and in many cases, this is just me talking, I don't claim to be right, but in many cases, there are things put in front of us to make us not see the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's why fast food is cheaper than good, than, than, than healthy food. That's why I can buy a large Coke that used to be called the Super Jumbo size. Now, that's a reg- you ask for a large, Regular, you get one yeah. this big. Mm-hmm. I can get that cheaper than I can get a little eight-ounce bottle of water, mm-hmm. which water I shouldn't have to buy in the first place. Right. So in many cases, we're being given stuff that looks nice to possibly hide the stuff behind that's not nice. By design. P- by design totally yeah. thank you mm-hmm. so people are looking at 4th of July and say oh wait a minute what are we celebrating mm-hmm. what are we celebrating? F- I heard that the the Washington Redskins are finally looking at their their the name of their right. mm-hmm. of their team how 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 long have people been complaining about that but as sad as it is as sad as it is Joseph sometimes it takes destruction yeah mhm to make people open their eyes. Open their eyes. Benjamin Franklin said that
0: nothing will change until those that are unaffected are just as outraged as those that are affected. And that's what's happening right now. Exactly. And, Victor, a couple things uh, as we wrap this up. Uh, first off, I didn't know that that you lived in Hawaii. I did, too. Hickam Air Force Base. And <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: O- Oahu yep, same yep, Oahu,
0: yep same thing i've been around water. I live on the coast now in california uh, There's uh, only one other time that i didn't live around water. I lived in Dallas for about about nine months, but everywhere yeah. else, either Florida, Hawaii, in my adult life anyway, has mm-hmm. been around water. What you said is so, so true with regard to what's being put in front of us and You know, here's a question I like to ask kind of in closing and Victor, I would be honored if you come back and do this again. We're coming up on our time here now, but uh, I could talk to you all day long and and I'm going to encourage everybody else to seek out and get the wisdom of this man because you're just getting the tip of the iceberg, as they say. The question I always like to ask is this, you know, I hear people saying, if you if you could go back to your uh, five year old self or your 12 year old self, what would you say? And that's pretty standard. And this, uh, the, the name of this show is Cure for the Common Life, so we don't want to do anything common. So I'm going to say, Victor, if you could go to your future self, uh, the 20 years from now, and you could go there and come back now, what would you say to you 20 years from now?
1: What would I say to this me 20 to, years from now? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not me as a kid.
0: Not you as a kid, you as a, what are you, 35 years old now?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> had another 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say
0: at this age, uh, and you had, you know, you had a, um, a magic time machine that you could go and say, there's Victor 20 years from now. What would you say?
1: Uh, the, the first thing that pops into my head that I hope I do, wouldn't say is that you should have done more. Right, right. Uh, and good, goodly or sadly, that's the first thing that popped into my head. I don't want to be looking back at myself thinking that you you should have done more, right? I hope that I'm congratulating Mm. my 55-year-old self. I hope so. But I also know that there's always more that you can do. Yes, yes. So I hope my 75-year-old self is thanking my 55-year-old self for making the 75-year-old self's life better. beautiful Uh, Beautiful. that's what i hope yeah and i'm gonna stick with that
0: i'm gonna make that one real well victor it has been as always every time i talk to you i learn more and my life gets better as a result so thank you so much and for everybody listening do yourself the absolute pleasure of looking this man up he's all over everywhere he's blown up youtube he's just all over the place numerous albums numerous uh Books, I know you have, but you're you're writing a new book now.
1: Uh, the new one will be coming out, yeah, early next year. The spirit and, of music, yeah, beautiful. A line of apparel, uh, just
0: everything going on and on. So, Victor, how how can people find you? What's the best? Way? And and by the way, everybody, whether you're a musician or not, as things get going back, uh, you have different camps that are not even music camps. You have uh, different camps. So, how can they find you?
1: Sure, the easiest way is my name, Victor Wooten, V I C T O R W O O T E N, VictorWooten that always has my schedule as well as the latest things that are going on. But that website also links to everything else. You can get to the merch store where you can, you can, uh, you know, find the records, the the hats, the T-shirts, the books, the instructional videos. You can find my record label because I, I put out my own records right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. That way my kids will own my music, not right. some record execs kids. Right. Mm-hmm. right? So you can find the record label, but you can also contact me on social media. I'm at, you know, Victor Wooten on Facebook, at Victor Wooten on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if people send me messages and somebody answers, it's me that's answering. Like at my store, you know, if you have an issue or a question, it's, that's probably not me. That might be the people who are running the store or shipping, the shipping department. But catch me on my Instagram or my Facebook or my Twitter, and I do my best to answer those Uh, questions, but VictorWooten.com is probably the easiest place to find me.
0: Beautiful. Victor, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to be reaching out to you again to do this again. And I appreciate you. And thank you for being as I said, you were one of my, my dream guests for my podcast, Cure for the Common Life. And I always say to everybody, remember that life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. Boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. Victor, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas, you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.